Welcome to Encourage the Believer. Our goal is to share truth and strengthen the body of Christ. Here's Brother Tim Bell to share our encouragement for today. Hello and welcome to Encourage the Believer. I'm so happy you're able to be with us today. And we are going to be continuing our thought of the secret to contentment. And I uh, found in uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. And uh, just a, a, a reminder that if you are liking our podcast, uh, please share it. Uh, let others know where it is. Follow uh, this ministry so that we'll be able to encourage the body of Christ uh, in the days uh, approaching. Um, just want to dive right into this thought. This is going to be part two of the secret to contentment. And uh, we left you with Paul's rejoices over their concern. And he uh, rests in his contentment uh, where his joy was not depending on having his needs met. His contentment was a learning process and his contentment was not dependent on his circumstances. Um, he learned through experience, and we uh, made mention of that, that he says, uh, it's not that uh, I don't need the if-onlys. I've been with them, and I've been without them. Um, he says, I'm content no matter what. He learned through uh, dependence on Christ. And we left off uh, last time with the thought that um, Paul didn't just happen upon this uh, characteristic of being content. He learned it by experience and dependence upon Christ. And so we're going to pick up with that. And having that been said, you know, I know that we are all learning about this. And I want us to take a closer look uh, at how to discover the contentment that Paul found. And um, there's, we need to understand that um, there are barriers to contentment. Um, you know, we were, uh, I, I remember uh, when I was a youth pastor back uh, in Virginia Beach, and um, we had, you know, this back to school bash, and uh, in that back to school bash, you know, there were places that we had to go, and uh, I remember one time we pulled up to one of the venues and we could not get in. It was locked down tighter than a drum. And there were, you know, barriers uh, that were keeping us from being <laughs> content for that evening. I had, uh, you know, 200, you know, to 250, sometimes 300 teenagers uh, that I had for the next four hours at, uh, one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning uh, to keep them content. And all of these things, this was, you know, they had misscheduled and it was just a big mess. But behind all those barriers was our answer for contentment. So I, I want to share with you some barriers in the Christian life uh, of contentment. Uh, first of all, there's greed. And this is the most obvious. And, you know, we all want more and we want it now, right? You know we're con we're not con we're not content until we have a new car, we have new furniture, 
you know, we have an Xbox 360 or whatever the, ne- the, the latest thing is. I have no clue. Designer clothes, money, uh, you know, we're not content until we have all these things. I have seen children at stores when they have, you know, candy in one hand and uh, a drink in the other hand. And yet when they see somebody with what, you know, something else that they don't have, they try to go after what they've got. I've seen it. You know, I've seen people go after that and do that. Greed is the main driving force behind, you know, national and personal uh, debt crisis because they're trying to keep up with the Joneses. It's the main reason why America has largely abandoned God. We're not satisfied with what God offers. When he says, when it says every good and every perfect gift coming from the Father of lights, we're not satisfied with that because we're going to give the definition of what is good and what is perfect. We feel we need, we need more. We feel that we deserve more. And affluence is much more dangerous than being poor. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, the Bible says, People who want to get rich fall into the temptation and trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. And for the love of money is the root of all the, the different kinds of evil. You know, some people... Uh, they they're 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 eager for money, and they have wandered from the faith of God and 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 walking with the Lord, and they have basically impaled themselves with many griefs. So the Bible gives us more warnings against greed, uh, not just in Timothy and money, but practically any other vice. We will never find contentment in more stuff. When we try, what we're basically doing is we're telling God that he's not enough. He is not our all in all. Okay, you're, you're, think about that thought for just a minute. When, when, when you become greedy, you're basically telling God you don't have enough to make me happy. You've not done enough to make me happy, to make me content. Think about that for a minute, folks. When we're we're talking about greed, you know, I, I have seen it firsthand, and I know what it looks like. I know what it sounds like. I know how it walks and how it talks. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Greed. That's one of the barriers. Another one is envy. Greed is wanting more of what I don't have, but envy is wanting what others have. Envy often drives greed. We look at others and think, boy, do they have it made. 
their grass is definitely greener. That's because they've probably used more fertilizer than you do, but that's another story. Envy is the driving force behind our trillion-dollar marketing industry. We're bombarded by it. We're tempted by it every waking moment. Envy also shows up when we wish we were healthier, happier, married, single. Envy shows up when we give a piece of pie to one of the kids. I rem- I, you know, I rem- I have seen when you, I, growing up with uh, the three boys in the house, and I I have seen whenever I have given them one of them a, a dessert, a piece of dessert. And the other two already have their dessert. It may, I think one of them was a piece of cake and the other was ice cream. And then this one got a piece of pie. And when they saw the pie that they, the other two liked, I'm telling you, Envy raised his ugly head. They were all excited about what they were getting until you gave that piece of pie to that sibling. You know, Deuteronomy talks us about talks to us about envy, about coveting another um, neighbor's wife, or their house, or their land, or their maidservant, or their manservant, or their ox, or their donkey, or anything that belongs to our neighbor. That's, you know, so if so, so what if others have more than me? So what if they're healthier or wealthier than I am? When we begin to look with envy at others, we immediately begin to forfeit contentment. Oh, brother, wait, 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 wait. I know, I know where you're gonna, I know what you're gonna ask me. I know where your thinking is, but let me finish. Greed, envy. Then there's the barrier of unbelief. Unbelief is really a, it's a faith issue. We become discontent because we really don't trust God to meet all of our needs. Paul's faith was tested again and again, and yet as it grew, his contentment grew. And Philippians, again, where, you know, we... I want you to look at verse uh, chapter four and verse uh, nineteen, and let me get there real quick. The Bible says, "But my God, it's a personal, it's a personal relationship you have with God when you're content. But whenever you have unbelief." That relationship is broken. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. There's no one else that's going to do it, folks. Do we really believe what is in this book? <laughs> you say, well, do you, Tim? I want to tell you something. I've had to look in the mirror and I've had to preach this to myself time and time again because 
there are times whenever the circumstances present themselves and I try to pull strings. I try to make things happen. I try to work it. I try to give God a hand. And you know what? It just doesn't work out well. Oh, sometimes the need is met, but it, it, it's so shallow. And it creates other problems that we don't need. Let God do it. Do we trust God to meet all our deeds? The trouble is, is that we've confused our needs with, with our wants. You know, a hundred years ago, electricity, telephones, vehicles, they were a luxury. 20 years ago, you know, AC, computers, video games were a luxury, and, and they still are. The heart cry and deep longing of every person alive is found, is to find real peace and contentment. They want peace in their life and they're searching for it. They want contentment in their life and they're searching for it. And they're looking all at the wrong things. And the trouble is, we're looking for love in all the wrong places. And in our desperate search, too often we build these barriers to the very thing that we're trying to discover. And it's quite possible that God is allowing these trials to refine us and to strengthen our faith so that we can discover what Paul discovered, and that's true contentment. Let me give you some steps to contentment, and then we'll be done for the day. There are key steps that we need to take in our search for discovery of contentment. Number one is the step of humility. The step of humility. Humility simply means putting others' needs above our own. In uh, Philippians chapter 2 and uh, verses um, 3 and 4, the Bible says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of, here it is, others. Others. Let this my motto be, that I would live for others as Christ lived for me. What happens when we consider others better than ourselves? Well, for starters, we look at them with an appreciation instead of envy. We begin to focus on them first and not on us. We begin to rejoice with them instead of comparing ourselves to them. You know, the Bible tells those that compare themselves by themselves are not wise, they're foolish. And by the way, humility also implies a sense of submission and dependence on God. When we humble ourselves, we have to submit ourselves. And ladies and gentlemen, that is one of the things that most people get choked on when it comes to depending on God and getting contentment. Humility. You know, James tells us in James chapter 4, verse 10, to humble ourselves before God and he will lift us up. Humility implies that we submit ourselves to God and that he leads us 
to being content with whatever God gives us. Humility is the best way I know to combat envy and a key step toward contentment. Humility. The second one is generosity. You know, the best way I know to overcome greed is to give. Wesley said this, save all you can, spend all you can, give all you can. The happiest people on earth are the ones who enjoy giving. Hey, listen, I'm not talking about, you know, you've got some extra cash and, and you take your buddy with you and they film you giving somebody money and it makes somebody happy. That's not what I'm talking about. That's to me, that's not, that's bringing, you know, that's not humility. That's pride. What I'm talking about is the generosity that you do unaware. That people don't know that you did it. Ooh, that's tough, isn't it? Because you want people to look at you and to smile at you and to hug you and to cry on your shoulder and say thank you so much. I know. I know. Trust me, in the past four years, I know what this means. But giving and being generous is not something that is, uh, you know, a popularity contest. You're doing it as unto the Lord. You know, the the thought that I that I get is from Second Corinthians chapter nine, where you know he talks about um, that each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. You know, not not reluctantly or under compulsion, but 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 for God loves a cheerful giver. Do you know that word cheerful means abundant? You're happy to do it. Hey, listen, when the widow gave her her might, that's all she had. Her might, that's it. And she gave it from the abundance of her heart. You say, well, if I if I do that, will God give it back to me? Yes, but it's not going to be money all the time. <laughs> you know, don't think that that whatever you do, God's going to replace it with the same thing. He may he may in, you know enrich you in other ways that you would have never believed had you not given and and been generous and quiet in your giving. By the way, we also need to remember a key truth here that Paul has taught us in this message. I know that some churches may disagree with this, but the church really doesn't need our money. God doesn't need our money. We need to practice generosity, giving to the church, to others in need, to missionaries. When we do that, when we do that, we learn to overcome the temptations of greed and envy. When we give, we begin to discover real contentment, humility, generosity. Number three is faith. This is the ultimate step towards commitment or contentment. Believing that God is truly all we need. And that's the great secret that Paul had discovered. And now he's he's telling the world. Why is it that with all the examples around us of, of people trying to find contentment in worldly things and, and falling failing them miserably, 
that we try to do the same thing. First Timothy talks about it. Second Corinthians talks about it. That godliness with contentment is great gain. Do we really believe that? What makes us happy? What brings us contentment? Let me let me ask you this. Would you be content if you didn't get that promotion or that raise? If you didn't get that new car or the new clothes, that new outfit that you've been looking for, those new shoes, ladies? Let's let's dig a little deeper here. Would you be content if your health was failing? This would hit me. If you were in pain, your marriage fell apart, your house burned down, your spouse died, would you be content? Remember, real joy is not dependent upon having our needs met. Real contentment does not depend on our circumstances. Paul learned it through much experience and dependence. And I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm learning this every day. And I desperately want to be content. I want to discover what Paul did. I want to know. I want to pursue it. I want to gain Christ. And the only way I can do that is through the experience and total dependence upon him. And there is such a thing as perfect peace through true contentment. The question is, how long will it take us to learn this this vital lesson? How long before we can truly say, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances, because I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. Here's the bottom line. The secret to contentment is Christ alone. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. That's a secret we need to broadcast to this world. Have you discovered that secret yet? The secret to contentment. I trust that this has been an encouragement to your heart. Remember to like us, to follow us, to share this ministry so that we can encourage the body of Christ. And remember, wherever you go, encourage the believer. Does the body good. Until next time, God bless. Thanks for joining us on Encourage the Believer. If you like what you hear, be sure to follow the podcast and share with your friends. See you next time.